This is Joey Mills with GeekDad.com and Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. And in this edition of Convention Connection, we are taking a look at the upcoming Farpoint Convention in Huntville, Maryland from Friday, February the 8th through Sunday the 10th. And I am joined on the line by Sharon and Cindy with the Farpoint Convention to talk a little bit about what attendees can expect at the show. First of all, thank you both for taking the time to talk with me this evening. How are you? We are great. Thank you. Yes, if you we are. Good, great. Sorry, <laughs> stepping all over you, please. Uh, if you would, uh, introduce yourselves, talk a little bit about you know your past, your background, and how you got involved with the Farpoint Convention. How, what was kind of the, the path that brought you to where you are and how you got connected with the show? Okay. Well, uh, my name is Sharon Van Blarkham, and I am the co-chair of this year's uh, event. And Farpoint Convention was one of the first conventions I ever went to just as a fan. And um, and actually, it was its predecessor uh, convention, now that I think about it, October Trek. And I started out as a helper, and I met some nice people, and they invited me to come back. And so I worked my, my way up just from a volunteer onto the staff, onto the committee, and then my husband is still trying to figure out why I said yes to being the con chair. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's another that's another story. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> show in and of itself, I'm sure. It is, but I I enjoy working with the with the conventions and the people I meet because uh, science fiction fans are just some of the best people in the world. Just extremely generous. And and they like to talk, you know, share and talk about the things that they're interested in and they're generous with their knowledge and their time and even their money, which our two charities, um, you know, can see because they were, are both of our charities that we support. Uh, the Julian Fleming Memorial Fund and Artway Alliance were started by fans. Right. And so I get a lot of satisfaction out of just, you know, continuing to to, in, in, you know, bolster and include and uh, expand the, the fan community in our area. Very good. And Cindy, how about you? Um, my name is Cindy Woods, and I am the programming chair for Farpoint. So I'm the one that gets to, get to pull all of the ideas and contact the guests and work up the schedule, and I'm insane. But I've done it for, what, like three, four years now this year? Like, uh, I really, they all blur together. But um, yeah. I, I just, I've been a fan, oh, probably for a good 20 years. Um, I have, you know, friends who um, ran the conventions. Uh, as Sharon said, the October Trek, the previous one to Farpoint, um, our friend Steve Wilson was the driving force behind Farpoint, and he was looking for you know friends that he knew and people he could trust to to take various positions. And like Sharon, I started up as a volunteer, as a helper, and then I became staff, and then I was on the committee. And I must have signed some paper because now Sharon owns my soul, and <laughs> can't get out of. Uh, not that I want to, but. But it's just, it's been a lot of fun, and this is Farpoint's 26th year, so we must be doing something right. 
It sounds like it, yeah. Well, talk a little bit about this year's convention. Who are some of the guests? What are some of the programming and events that you have planned? What can attendees look forward to when they walk through the doors? Uh, Well, a lot of things to do. Cindy is truly, as the programming chair, she is juggling like 500 balls that are all on fire all at once trying to finish put the final touches on this schedule (laughs) because we take we're we're a traditional convention um where we take over the whole hotel and so uh, cindy has been building a schedule with the help of the team that organizes the various tracks about 200 hours of activities that are spread across three days in 10 or 12 different meeting rooms in the hotel and we cover uh, movies, talking movies and TV, books and authors, science, cosplay and costuming. We have tracks for the kids, for science, for what we call for our new media track, which involves independent film and podcasting, web comics, basically, you know, um, creative outlets that people can do themselves in this age of the Internet and, um, and, and personal computing. And it's it's we just like to have people tell us things they're interested in so that we can, you know, build programs about it. And we always have um, two or three celebrity guests coming in. And this year we have Wallace Shawn, who, of course, is uh, currently on the uh, wonderful show Young Sheldon. And he is also best known or well, some of the things he's best known for, of course, is The Princess Bride as Vizzini. And he was the Grand Nagus in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He's the voice of Rex in Toy Story. His 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 um, credentials are insanely ridiculous. And we also have Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche from Pink, the voice actors behind Pinky and the Brain. And um, Rob, of course, has his own independent uh, Internet-based show called Talking Tunes. And Maurice is a well-known actor from Futurama, and they've both done lots of work for Disney and uh, Nickelodeon. So we're really, really excited to have all three of them come because Wallace and Maurice haven't been with us before. And this is Rob's second visit back with us. Very good. Yes, I met Rob and uh, Maurice actually earlier. Well, I guess it was last year now. I keep forgetting we're in 2019. But yeah, those are great guests to have. I I. Yeah. They will pack in the room, whatever room they're in. They will bring the fans in, I'm sure. I like the oh, fact yeah. that you guys are doing more with what you're calling the new media because it seems like – I know you guys have talked about how you started as fans and you got involved in the convention itself. It seems like the lines are blurring between being a fan and being a creator now with podcasts oh, and YouTube and all that. So tell us a little bit about yeah, we- kind of the push towards that for you guys. Well, we try to have panels uh, for people, so if they don't know what a podcast is or how do I start, we've got um, a panel this year called Succeeding on YouTube, and it, it's someone who, who has his own channel that um, he's going to talk about how you get started, you know, how to how to. Uh, look at it from a monetary standpoint. Um, we've got a lot of the local and not-so-local fan film groups. Um, so if you've ever wanted to do your own video or film, um, they'll show you how they did it. And um, 
we um, we've got a full cosplay track this year. Um, this is the first year that we've really expanded the cosplay track, and we have really really awesome customers that are going to be um, talking about costuming as a group, um, how you adapt, um, you know, the, the character that you want to do. Um, there's a panel called Cosplay Quickfire where they swear they can tell you how to make the costume that you want for under $100. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, I mean... And and we just I'm trying to come up with the right words here. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I do this, and I can't get the right words all the time. <laughs> to you know, to follow their their passion, and you know, if we can help them along the way to find what it is they want to do, then you know, our we've done our jobs, and and we usually like it if people are actually complaining at us because, well, you had this and you had this and I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. That's a good problem to have for any convention. It is. One of the um, panels that I really am interested in seeing and learning about is um, we're doing one called cosplaying kids because so many kids are getting into cosplay themselves. And I mean, you know, like teenagers and younger and, you know, some, some people are doing it as a family activity and other people, you know, other parents are supporting their children and, and encouraging them to express themselves through costuming. And, you know, just the, the, the different issues that come up with interact, you know, your child as a cosplayer interacting with adults who are strangers to them. Right. And, and then, of course, the, uh, a lot of uh, cosplayers who are working with kids or costume designers are saying, you know, one of their issues is figuring out how to scale down a pattern or even develop a pattern for a child size version of, of a cost of a, of a character who's normally depicted as an adult. Right. Yeah. I couldn't imagine <laughs> taking the measurements in the fall, working on the costume in the spring. It's too small because the kids have grown. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. that being a problem as well. Anticipating future growth. <laughs> But it's, it is it's one of the areas that we're most excited about is seeing, you know, more, you know, you know, kids. We've always had kids come to the convention, but being able to encourage them to participate and um, and really be a part of what's going on. And that's one of the things we've always done, worked really hard to do is in uh, provide not only dedicated children level activities, but even, you know, make sure. Uh, children and especially, you know, the 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 almost adults, the teenagers, are welcome to come, and we want to hear their voices as well, and have them participate in our panel discussions about their favorite books, their favorite movies and TV shows, or talk to our science guests and learn about how, you know, their interests in science and technology can be be moved into a career path. Right. Are you finding in the years that you two have been with the convention that the audience is, I don't want to say it's skewing younger because that sounds like other folks aren't, but there's a, traditionally there, 
is a mindset or a picture in folks' minds that a, a niche con like this that caters to like sci-fi, uh, fantasy, historical fiction, those things tends to have an older audience. Are you finding that that's not the case, that you're finding um, younger audiences are not only coming more, but doing that participation piece, whether it's, you know, the cosplay or, or whatever, are you finding that to be the case or do you feel like you've still got, because you've been, you know, this is the 26th year that you've got kind of a, a set crowd that you can, you'd always know you're going to see these people on Saturday of the convention because they show up <laughs> every year. Yeah. It's kind of a combination of that because I mean, we recognized golly about, what do you think city about 10 years ago or so that, we, that was a danger of just being very static. And, of course, that was around the same time that the Comic-Con phenomenon started really building. Right. And yeah. so, you know, we you have to be able to continue to survive in this uh, ever-changing um, industry of, of, of conventions and Comic-Cons. You really do need to keep your eyes and ears open. And we may, we've made a conscious effort to do that and to let... Uh, people know, especially people who only go to Comic-Cons, they may not even know about traditional conventions or what they're about. Right. So we, we made a conscious effort, and we do this by going to conventions in the area. We, we cover, uh, golly, about a 150-mile radius around our market, uh, regularly just taking you know tables and going to other conventions and talking to talking to people and you know what are you interested in seeing and who are you interested in seeing and um, and definitely letting them know about us. It's really quite fun. I remember one, a couple of years ago at AwesomeCon, I uh, a young young lady came by our table and she was talking about us, talking to us because she was new to the uh, Comic-Con circuit. She had just found out about them and started going. And she's like, what is this? And we told her, told her about us. And we should, we always bring copies of our uh, previous year's program books so that people can really see that, you know, we do have two, about 200 hours of, or more of activities and it completely blew her mind. She said, I didn't know there was such a thing like this. <laughs> And yeah, there's, there's definitely a little bit of, of culture shock or something for, for someone who's just used to going to a show where there's celebrities and signings and a dealer's area. Right. For them to come into a convention like this and realize, I'm going to be interacting with a lot of people. Um, you know, I can sit in on this panel and I can actually have my thoughts heard um you know that that that's that it sometimes it surprises people um we also try to bring in guests that we know are going to be really um you know they they think nothing of sitting at the table and chatting with someone for 10 or 15 minutes it's not like a here here's your signature bye right um so we try and get people that haven't been in the area. We try to get people, you know, that you know, they're near to conventions. And so we can kind of show them as well that, you know, they're not all just signing shows. Right. And, you know, you, you will definitely make an impression on these people. Um, so, so I like to think we, yeah. we do that as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the fun part is, you know, some people, I've heard some people say that the Comic-Con is like the death knell to the traditional convention. 
And and I don't agree with that because there, you know, each type of show serves its own purpose because uh, comic cons because they are they are focused, you know, more specifically on bringing in you know a bigger crowd into the bigger arenas and they're they they can focus you know a good majority of their budget on their guest expenses so they can afford to bring in the super big names that we really probably financially couldn't touch being in a hotel because hotels don't hold 70,000 people hotels hold a couple thousand people right and but then at the same point in time um, and then, of course, as a hotel-based traditional con, we our budget is shared amongst guest expenses and um, hotel infrastructure because we're buying AV equipment or not buying, but rent, buying and or renting AV equipment for multiple rooms and um, the different expenses connected with running in a hotel. And both, you know, both types of conventions serve a purpose and a need, I believe, in in you know for fans. And someone who can meet, say, Will Wheaton at a giant Comic-Con will have one experience with him. They'll get a chance to go up and say, say a quick hello and get a professional picture and, and a signature. Whereas if they, get it, if they come and see Will Wheaton at a Farpoint convention, a traditional convention, more quieter, more laid back, not as crowded, you get a chance to actually, you know, say more than hello to the person and say a few words and have a quick chat without the pressure of the line going up behind you. <laughs> yeah, you know, those big conventions can tend to feel like you're just uh, a piece of livestock moving through the chute sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I do get, I do have to admit to getting jealous sometimes because they are able, they do have the financial resources to bring in. Uh, again, someone you know, very with uh, some very big uh, appearance fees and signing guarantee costs that you know you would actually need to bring in multiple thousands of people just to financially be able to pay that person. Whereas in a hotel, we're limited to how many people can come in the hotel, right? <laughs> so, unless unless we want to get make the fire marshal mad at us, <laughs> and so, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so for certain people, we could not, you know, bring in the volume to justify bringing in a bigger name. Right. And and so you have to make that balance. And then, of course, being in the wintertime, we're also balancing the uh, the weather on top of it. Yeah, this is true. What is something, because, I mean, there are a few people, quite a few people, but there are a few people that make conventions happen. And there are is a greater number of people who just go and attend and enjoy them. What is something that you wish people who attend but don't have that behind-the-curtain experience, what's something you wish they knew or understand about planning, attending, whatever it might be? What's something that you wish people understood about putting together a convention? Ooh, that's a good question. Um. Oh, aside, aside, the first thing that comes to my mind is the, um, well, yeah, we could get, you know, a lister, but your membership fee would go up, your hotel rate would go up, your, we'd have to start charging for this, that, and the other. Um, being an old school, school convention model, we give one free autograph from the celebrity of your choice 
um, one per day. Right. So, you know, you can, you can, you pick which celebrity go up, you get your badge stamped and you get a free autograph. Um, but we, every year it's always, well, can you get Patrick Stewart? Can you get, you know, all of these unattainable people, um, that, well, yeah, we could get that, but then we wouldn't be far point. Right. Yeah. And, um, and the, the one thing, and I know Cindy will agree with me, we get some wonderful, wonderful uh, submissions every year from our attendees offering to participate and, you know, stage a panel or talk on a panel. Right. And for some reason, everyone wants their panel on the main stage at 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on guilty Saturday. of that yeah. on occasion in the past. So I, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I think that's the one thing that... Um, that I think I'd like people to uh, to know about is the it's the fine art of juggling, especially in a hotel-based type convention when you're scheduling multiple rooms across from each other because you want to make sure that you're not having two or three two or three start you know Star Trek centered uh, events opposite each other because then all the Star Trek fans will get mad that they have to make those kind of Sophie's choices. Right. And, and so just, just the juggling that goes into scheduling. So it truly is, you know, we'd love to give you your preferred time slot. Sometimes we just can't because you, you know, your talk, so it turns out your talk is such a great idea. Peter David wants to speak on your panel too, but in order to get Peter to cut, to be able to come to your panel, we have to juggle that against the other panels he wants to do and his autograph session and his reading. And we do have to give the man, a, you know, a little bit of time to lunch and use the bathroom periodically. <laughs> yeah, this is, <laughs> these are all things that folks need to consider uh, when uh, either, applying to participate or attending a con. Let me ask another question. What is, and I'm going to leave this purposely vague so that you can answer it however you feel appropriate. What is the best thing, the best thing that you've experienced at Farpoint or just on the convention scene in general? It can be an interaction. It can be something somebody said. It can be you know, watching something come together that you didn't think would happen. I'm, <laughs> like I said, I'm leaving it purposely vague so that you can tell us what is the best thing that you've experienced as far as either with Farpoint or just as, with being a part of the convention scene. Oh, that's an easy one for me. I've actually got two. The first one is, oh, golly, this is about eight or nine years ago now. This uh, young girl was had was becoming interested in costuming. She was like maybe 18 or 19, and she was um, a little nervous. And it took our then co our our costuming uh, track staff a couple of years to encourage her to you know step out and and make a costume and and display it. She entered the masquerade for the first time that year, which is our evening costume contest. Mm -hmm. And we always do it on the main stage in, in the big ballroom under the lights. And she was so nervous and she made herself an Iron Man suit. And it was spectacular. And it showed so beautifully. And she won everything. <laughs> she won best in show, best first costume. And she was over the moon. And just to see someone, you know, get that confidence and know that we had a hand in encouraging her to get to that point, 
it was just really, really exciting. And my other favorite thing was uh, a, a couple of years later, uh, it was the first year we had Felicia Day as a guest. And we always do a charity auction as part of the halftime on Saturday, on Saturday evening entertainment while the judges are, you know, off judging. Right. And Felicia had donated a private meet and greet to take place the next day. And the auctioning started. And all of a sudden, I get this text message. Oh, my goodness. Felicia Day's meet and greet is going for $1,500. <laughs> and, of course, that, that's it's like, what? And then it kept going up and up and up. And some and this gentleman ended up paying five thousand dollars. Oh wow. For, for a meet and greet with Felicia Day. And so of course, I mean, no I know this man, he'll I've said this to him uh, when after I met him and I didn't realize until after I met him that he actually knew Felicia. He had been an extra on in her show The Guild a few right. times. That's great. <laughs> but uh, he bid $5,000. And before I knew that, my first thought was, oh, my goodness, we've got a Felicia Day stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but the other luckily, side of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily he wasn't. And our charities were just so thrilled to get that kind of a donation. But that's what that's what the fans do. They're, they're interested. And in, especially since our charities started with groups of with two different local groups of fans in our area, they're, they're just very interested in continuing to support, support the work of their fellow fans. And so it just gives you a good feeling to be a small part of that. That's great. I would say the first thing that pops into my head is um, we have several charity auctions over the course of the weekend. And I don't remember what year it was, but we were donated of all things a bottle of ketchup that oh, had yeah. been autographed by William Shatner. <laughs> okay. And 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 we have the most generous uh, attendees that you know are we're never disappointed with our our various charity auctions. Um, and Sharon, do you remember how much that went for? It was it was a couple hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars for a twenty-year-old bottle of ketchup. Does the age <laughs> enhance it in any way? Or? Um, well, it was uh, uh, t- about 20 years ago, Heinz did a special run of ketchup bottles that had uh, quotes or doodles or something from famous uh, people. Okay. And this in particular was William Shatner's. And it, and it wasn't even an original signature. It was his replicated signature. So, but it was basically a twenty-year-old William Shatner novelty bottle of ketchup. It was brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm assuming our, that our, sits our, on a shelf somewhere. And nobody's eating from it. <laughs> yes, our, but our very skill, skillful uh, uh, MC managed to get like several hundred dollars for it. Um, and there, there was also. Uh, we had Felicia Day as one of our guests, and we sometimes have the, the guests will donate uh, a meet and greet where you can, you know, depending on your age, you can go to the bar and have a drink with them. Or, yeah. or I, I got I short... told Joe that story after I guess you were you were dropping off the phone <laughs> at that time with oh, okay. the, the five thousand dollar not a stalker we, yeah yeah our fear that we had a stalker <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, so that was good. great, but it just it just shows the spirit of of the fan community, and we're very lucky in the Washington, Baltimore, and extended area that you know fans like to come together. They're used to coming together because we have such a a network of uh, locally based conventions. We have Balticon, which is the Baltimore Science Fiction Society's convention. 2019 is going to be their 53rd Balticon. Wow. And then Shore Leave, which is our sister convention in the summertime, they just celebrated 40 years in 2018. And and then there's us, and then there's several other uh, smaller conventions and comic cons. And we just have a real good network of fan support going just throughout our area. It's really great, and it's really nice to have the resources. And if you don't know something, you know someone who knows something. Yeah, that is very important to have that 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 kind of like you said the network, the safety net of where did they get that or how do they manage this? And so that's that's yeah. fantastic that you have people with that much experience that are not only there but are available and working together. And that spirit of we're not competing, we're collaborating, we're all you know doing this together. That's fantastic. You don't that that's. Unfortunately, that can be rare in a lot of areas when it comes to uh, the convention scene. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, just starting out because Shore Leave and our predecessor conventions, which um, were October Trek, which we mentioned, and then ClipperCon before that, Shore Leave and ClipperCon started as a reflection of those original Star Trek um, fan gatherings that were held in the 1970s in New York City, right. where it was just nothing but a bunch of fans getting together, wanting to talk about their favorite shows. And so many thousands of people showed up, including people from this area. And they're the ones who said, hey, let's do that down here. And so, you know, so 40 some, you know, for over 40 years ago, they started the Star Trek Association of Towson which led to Shore Leave Convention, which led to ClipperCon, October Trek, and Farpoint, because we're part of that chain, too. Yeah. And it's just been the, been the fan tradition. That's fantastic. That, that is, it's nice to have that, like I said, that history and that longevity and that consistency where you, you, you know, people know what to expect. They know they're going to get a, a quality experience when they show up for these. Where can folks, if they're interested, if they're in the area, if they want to show up, or if they just want to find out more, where can they find out more online about uh, Farpoint Convention 2019? We are online at our webpage is farpointcon.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at Farpoint Convention. On Twitter, uh, um, our tag is at farpointcon. And that's the same tag for Instagram. And right now we are busy uh, starting to post news and um news and information about the different activities that people can look forward to coming to the convention. Fantastic. A question just real quick, I'll throw in here. How long after this convention do you begin in earnest the planning for 2020? Almost. We're, we're kind of already doing That's it. That's what I was bit. wondering. Okay. <laughs> It's a it's a it year is. round job. It's you know you get your three days of payoff, but it, it the work takes place year round. It sounds like. Can we we get, can we get a chance to take a little bit of a breather? But uh, especially on the publicity side, it's it's like almost like a cell, a monster. You got to keep feeding. You got to keep feeding the social media monster <laughs> yes. and, and the other things. So 
there's since there's so many conventions in our area, we're almost immediately maybe within a month back on the road to other events, even if it's just with a save the date postcard. Right. Because every yeah. every time you go someplace, you meet somebody you've never met before. And you get a chance to to share to share the information that we have. We're all, we're almost like uh, fandom evangelists. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard it called that before. That's good. I like it. We'll have to coin that one. Well, ladies, I appreciate your time this evening. Best of luck with Farpoint Con 2019. Uh, hopefully, we can talk again as we get a little closer to announcing stuff for 2020. Does that sound good? Oh, that'd be wonderful. That sounds great. Fantastic. Well, again, I appreciate your time and enjoy the convention on February the 8th through the 10th. Have a good time, folks. Thank you, ladies. Thanks. Thank you. Bye now. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.